All right. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. I'm sorry, not Hebrews. And as Ephesians says in Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And we've been going through a series of lessons about strengthening our inner man, strengthening our spiritual side of us. And uh, it's amazing how much time and money and uh, really everything that we invest in the exterior of man. Uh, and it's not wrong to invest in the exterior. By the way, you probably should, uh, you know, take good care of yourself. Many people, the doctors will all t always tell you, you need to get out and exercise, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and uh, we'll invest money in our teeth, and our hearing, and in our eyes, and, and in all of our physical uh, side of things, which is not wrong, it's necessary. Uh, but at the same time, oftentimes, we will neglect what is on the inside. And we don't, we don't invest as much as our spiritual side. We don't invest as much time or effort or money uh, really in that side that is spiritual. And yet uh, it's such an important and fundamental side of us for Christians. And so uh, we're focusing on the inner man and strengthening the inner man and how important that is. We began the series of these lessons with an illustration of a crack and how it begins to cause great problems. Uh, I used really the illustration of uh, the, the little crack in my windshield and, uh, and how, uh, you know, I didn't, now you call, who, well, we all know, ready? Safe light. You know, I mean, you hear their commercials. I mean, you could probably could sing the song for me. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, we all know that little chip in the windshield. Hey, we don't want it to turn into a full-blown crack where the windshield has to be replaced. Uh, and, and that's a relevant illustration. And probably one as well would be just a crack in our foundation. Uh, and we, of course, talked about that, too, at the beginning, uh, where if you have a house or if you have uh, a building where you live or, or anything, if there is a crack in the foundation, if that goes unchecked and that's not dealt with or even noticed, uh, boy, it can become a real problem. And I've, I've seen where they've had to actually jack up houses and buildings and, uh, and tear out the foundation and reconstruct uh, the foundation or maybe just a corner of it uh, so that that place is solid. And boy, you talk about a lot of work and you talk a lot about a lot of money. Uh, if you think about that, our spiritual side and the inside of us uh, is really the foundation. And the Bible says that that foundation is Jesus Christ. And we need to put our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But if we neglect the interior of our lives, if we neglect the spiritual side of our life, it is like a crack uh, that, that will, will start to rot and fall apart. And before you know it, uh, your entire life can fall apart. Uh, and so it's really that important. Have you ever seen some people, the, um, I've seen some people's Bibles and they're just, uh, they're, 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 they're not as nice as, as my Bible is. They're all wore out and, uh, and they're not doing very well. And uh, sometimes pages are missing. And the old saying is this, uh, that uh, a Bible that is wore out and, and falling apart probably belongs to somebody whose life is not falling apart. There's a lot of truth to that. 
And uh, now that's, now this is my preaching Bible, okay? Um, so they're, they're, everyone's thinking, well, the preacher's Bible looks really nice. This is my preaching Bible, not my wear it out Bible, all right? I've got a couple at home that are wore out, and uh, I, I usually keep this one strictly for the pulpit, and, and, uh, and so, but uh, we, want our, we want our Bibles to be wore out. We want, our, uh, we want to be able to be looking in them and reading them and, and things of that nature uh, because we need to take care of our inside, our spiritual uh, man, as it will. We're going to look at contentment. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, uh, with, you're there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, the Bible says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What a phenomenal set of verses, these two verses. Uh, let's have a word of prayer before we get into the uh, lesson this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. And God, as they're investing in their, in their inner man, in the spiritual man, Father, of their life. And God, I, I thank you for their investment and their time. And God, I pray that you would uh, use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me, that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. Father, that we would uh, learn these truths that are in your word. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Now, if you've been uh, if you've been following along on Wednesday nights, on Wednesday nights we're going through the book of Proverbs, and uh, and we have for the past probably three nights, Wednesday nights for the past three weeks, uh, we've been looking at contentment. And uh, I did not plan this. I, this is Sunday school uh, lessons, are, are a set of lessons really that I'm kind of going through, and uh, and it just kind of coincided uh, with uh, the Wednesday night lessons that I'm teaching, but it's a whole different set of verses. And I want us to understand and realize this, that contentment is all through the Word of God. And so therefore, it must be a very important uh, topic for us to look at. And uh, and in these verses, it becomes very clear to us uh, that, that uh, it is a very important topic. Discontentment absolutely plagues our society today. Uh, it does. It's everywhere. Uh, and you look at the world's philosophy, the majority of the world is thinking, you know, well, I wish I had more. And, uh, and listen, marketing, I've said this before, marketing drives to that. They're always propagating things that you need and how your life will be revolutionary changed if you buy this product. And, and if you don't have this product, that, uh, man, you're, you're, you're just, you are missing out. And this will simplify your life and save you time and save you money. Is that not what they advertise? And, uh, and then you buy that thing and you're like, man, this is more work than I thought it was going to be. And, uh, and you find out it's really not, uh, not as, as great as, as what they say it is. And a lot of that is marketing. Uh, but discontentment is, is really a problem. And if you boil it down, discontentment comes to a me-first attitude. 
Well, what, how is this going to benefit me? How is this going to enrich my life? How is this? And it becomes, it serves a very selfish nature. And if we're not careful, that selfishness and that me first idea uh, can become very destructive to each and every person's life. It's actually destructive in society. You think about perversion and violence and uh, political scandals and destruction of the family. They're all symptoms of selfishness in every aspect of life. If you boil all those down many times, it is just pure selfishness uh, that, that comes from that. And it's ultimately from discontentment. And listen, many uh, marriages are ruined because a husband is discontented uh, and angry and a wife becomes discontented. And, uh, and listen, many families really can be ruined by discontentment. And so it's an important topic, something that we uh, really need to look at. How can we build contentment into our lives? Well, for, uh, looking at these verses, we'll find a couple of ways uh, that we can build contentment. And the first way that we build contentment in these verses is by rejecting covetousness. Now, what is covetousness? Covetousness is seeing something that somebody has and desiring it. More than just desiring it, it's like, man, I'm going to go out of my way to try and get that. It's like the, the, the thing that is on your mind. And you say, man, i got to have one of those. I've got to get me one of those. Uh, it's coveting. It's, it goes back even into the Ten Commandments. We know that thou shalt not covet. Uh, is one of the Ten Commandments. So it's been a problem since the beginning of time. It hasn't been new uh, recently. It's been goes all the way back to the beginning of time when uh, maybe this guy would look out and he'd see this guy's horse or his cow or his sheep and say, man, that, cow is, that guy's sheep is really white and really has a lot of fur. I wish I had that guy's sheep. So much so that maybe he would steal that sheep. Uh, and so it's really a problem that goes back all the way to the beginning of time. But look at what it says here in our verse. He says, uh, let your conversation be without covetousness. Covetousness is natural, easy, and it often creeps into our lives unnoticed. And sometimes uh, we'll even excuse covetousness. Uh, and, and, and say, well, it's, you know, it's not really covetousness or some other thing, and we'll excuse it, but yet God requires us in our life to reject covetousness. That's what he says. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now, what is conversation? Conversation means, uh, it literally means this. If you look it up in the, in the dictionary, it means uh, behavior, deportment, especially as respects morals. Now, we often think of conversation as, as two people talking, and it does mean that as well. Uh, but the, the other definition is really how we live our lives and, and how we act on a day-to-day -day basis. So going back to our verse, he says, let your conversation, he's not talking about uh, a dialogue between two people, but rather he's talking about our lifestyle. And he says this, let your conversation be without covetousness. We've already mentioned that uh, marketing tends to twist our mentality into believing we're not successful if we don't have the newest uh, earthly possessions. Boy, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and we need to be careful uh, about discontentment and coveting uh, what other people have. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, discontentment 
makes rich men poor, while contentment makes poor men rich. Well, what a good saying. You can have all the possessions in the world and still be discontented and want more. And we've looked at that a lot in our, in our Wednesday night uh, studies in, in the book of Proverbs. But what an important uh, quote that he says. Uh, this illustration was, uh, or this uh, survey rather, was taken by U.S. News and World Report. And, uh, and they, they went around and they surveyed a whole bunch of Americans. And uh, what they said is, they said this, they asked this question, how much more money would you need to fulfill the American dream? That was the question they posed. You know what the answer was? About twice as much as what I currently have. That was the top answer. In other words, if, if you're making $5,000 a year, I would need $10,000 a year. If you're making $500,000 a year, you would need about a million a year. You know what that tells me is that it doesn't matter. Money, the, the amount of it is really irrelevant. What is relevant is man wants more in his life. And, and oh, the irony of that answer, uh, because listen, uh, that is really uh, the idea of, of the society and the world that we live in. And the devil has convinced us that if we had another person's uh, wealth or another person's family or another person's looks or another person's uh, possessions, then we would be content in our life. We would be satisfied. Listen, that's a lie from the devil. Uh, we need to learn contentment. He says, uh, let your conversation be without covetousness. In other words, don't look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I looked like they did. They do. I, I, I look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I had their family or I grew up in their home. Or, or look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their possessions. Or uh, look at somebody else and say, I wish uh, that, that I had what they have. Listen, we are not to be covetous of other people, but rather to be grateful for what God has given us. Our lifestyle is prone towards covetousness. It's built towards it. Uh, turn with me to Mark chapter number 7. And save your spot in Hebrews as we'll be back there. But Mark chapter number 7. And I want you to see that not just our lifestyle and our society is, is all geared towards covetousness and desiring more possessions and desiring a different set of circumstances. Uh, and it totally goes in and flies in the face of contentment. Uh, but I want you to notice as well in Mark chapter number 7 and verse number 20. Look with me there, Mark seven twenty we'll find that contentment is not a matter of possessions, but rather it is a matter of the heart. Mark chapter number 7 and verse number 20, look at what he says. And he said, Mark seven twenty, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Those verses are really important. As we read through them, uh, listen, we, could, we would be prone to say with what I've looked at and what I've 
reminded that, hey, it's all of society's fault that we're so covetousness. I mean, uh, that, that we covet so much. Uh, it's all of society's fault because they bombard us. But the truth of the matter is, it is not just society that bombards us with these things, but rather we have to recognize as well that from within our own life come these evil things and these evil ideas. Look at the list. Look at verse number 20. Again, the end of, end of verse 20. He says uh, that... Well, just the, the second part. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, within man, in other words, out of the heart of men. In other words, that's born within our own hearts come all this list of wickedness. And it gives us a whole list of things. But in that list, in verse 22, he says thefts, covetousness, wickedness. That covetousness is right in there. It is innate within man. It is born within man that the heart would be wicked and that the heart would covet what other people have. If you've ever been around children, especially children two, three years old, I love using children because they just, they act what they, they, they want. They just act it out. They don't have any reservations. They're not trying to hold up a facade of anything. They just live their life and, and do what comes natural to them. And if you have uh, two, two kids in a nursery, uh, if you have two boys in a nursery or two boys there together, I had a brother growing up, I had two brothers growing up, and, and you give one of those boys uh, something, you know what's going to happen, especially if they're uh, right around one and a half, two, three years old, you know what's going to happen? If only one of them has a toy, that other one's going to go over and he's going to grab that toy right out of him, depending on the strength. And pretty soon you're going to have a fight on your hands. Why? Because it's innate within man. It's in our nature. It comes from within the heart. That two-year-old hasn't watched commercials about covetousness. That, that two-year-old hasn't uh, watched uh, the commercials about how that ball is the greatest thing in the world. He doesn't even know what everything is that it can do. Uh, but he sees that another other boy has that thing, whatever it is, and man, he's going to go over there and he's going to try and take it. Why? Because he covets, he desires to have what that other kid has. Listen, that's within every one of our hearts. That's what we need to keep in check. That's what we need to watch out for. That's what we have to be careful of. Because within our hearts, the Bible says, proceedeth this wickedness, and we need to keep our hearts in check. Because He commands us in Hebrews 13.5, He says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And so we need to be careful in our life, that we are not covetousness, or we don't covet, rather, what other people have. The Bible says in Luke 12, 15, and he said unto them, that would be Jesus, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. May God rescue us and help us to defeat the mindset and the idea of covetousness in our life. And listen, it's within all of us. And so we need to build contentment by rejecting covetousness, recognize covetousness in our life and say, listen, uh, that's not a right thing. That's not what God desires. And I need to be content with the things that we have. I said Wednesday night we were talking about contentment. And, uh, and I, I, I said this, I said, uh, you know, you drive around sometimes. 
And, uh, and I don't know what floats your boat, all right? Everyone, everyone's boat floats on, on something different. Uh, but maybe you're driving around and you see this nice house. And you're like, man, that is a really nice house. You say, man, I'd love to ha have a house that, that is that big. I want you to think this. Instead of thinking I'd like to have a house that's that big or that nice, or I want you to think this. I would like to not have that guy's payment. I would like to not have that size of a house to clean every day. I would like to not have that guy's yard work. I mean, uh, you think about all the upkeep, and, and sometimes, I mean, I like cars, and uh, I, like, I like big trucks, and I like fancy cars. I, I don't know. I like cars. I'm interested in cars. And sometimes you see a car go by, and, and I'm like, wow, that's a sharp-looking car. And instead of saying, man, I wish I had that thing, uh, you can think to yourself, I'm glad I don't have his car payment or his liability insurance uh, that he has to pay every month. Uh, hey, be content with the things that we have, and don't be covetous. We need to reject the idea of covetousness in our life. Not only do we need to build contentment by rejecting covetousness, but look what he says there back in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. He says this, let your, covet, let, let your conversation be without covetousness. The second phrase, he says, and be content with such things as ye have. Build contentment by remaining content in your life. Build contentment by rejecting covetousness, but build contentment by remaining content in your life. Look at what he says there and be content with such things as ye have. If you think about this, where did the things that you have come from? You say, well, that's an easy, that's an easy answer. I know the answer to that. I worked really hard, and I saved all my pennies up so that I could purchase those things. And I would say you are partially right. You did. But let me ask you this, who gave you the strength? Who gave you the health to go to work? Who gave you the job? Who gave you all of that? It's ultimately God. And we have got to recognize, listen, we've gotten away from a farmer society, and, and there's, that's okay, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm telling you this, farmer society recognize and understand that if God does not send the rain, they're not going to have crops. And if, they, if those crops don't grow, they're not going to have income. And they recognize that the hand of God has got to be involved uh, in, in this idea of growing and having things where many times we go to work and we remove ourselves from the idea that God's involved in our life. Listen, God keeps you healthy. God gives you a job. God allows you to wake up every single day and have the health and have the strength to be able to go to work. And what we need to recognize and understand is what we do have is provision from God. In my life, I've been very blessed on more than one occasion to watch God provide where I physically could not. Time and time again. And, and, and you say, well, that's, that's wonderful. Listen, it, it's wonderful looking back on it, but when you're in the moment and you're saying, God, 
I got to have this and I don't know how I'm going to get this. I don't know how this is going to get done. And you're depending on God and you're praying. Uh, listen, it can be scary. And I, I, I would go out on a limb to say that many of us, we hit that point and, and we, we arrange things and we fix things so that we take care of the problem and we don't wait on God to provide for our needs. Many times. But if you wait for God, and you watch God supply your needs and take care of that, you'd know there's a God in heaven watching out for you. You'd know that everything that you own ultimately belongs to God, and God has blessed you with those things. And he says here in, in our, our verse 5, he says, And be content with such things as ye have. Uh, for he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need to understand that, listen, uh, God is providing for our needs. And he said he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. And therefore, God is taking care of us and he will provide for our needs. God has provided for us over and over and over again. Uh, ironically, the word content, I looked that up in the dictionary. You say, well, we know what content means. I, we might know what it is, but let's define it. The de definition of content is to satisfy the mind, to make quiet so as to stop complaint or opposition. I found that very interesting because the majority of our complaint starts right here in our mind in discontentment, in saying, you know what, what God has provided for me is insufficient, and I'm not happy with what He has given me. That's ultimately what it is. And, and you look throughout Scripture, and you can find time and time again, it was just a couple weeks ago that we looked at 1 Kings 17 and verse number uh, 16, where, uh, or 17, chapter 17 rather, where Elijah, uh, the brook Cherith, had dried up. You remember he had gone and told uh, Ahab, the king, that, uh, listen, there would not be rain until he said so on the face of the earth. He said, there's not going to be any rain. And then God said, listen, I want you to go to the brook Cherith and, uh, and I'll provide for you. And as Elijah sat by that brook Cherith, he drank water from the brook. And the Bible says that the birds came and brought him uh, food every single day. You say, preacher, you believe that? I do believe that because the Bible says that. I believe it's a true story, I believe it's historically accurate, and I believe those birds brought Elijah food every single day and provided for Elijah. After that brook dried up, I could imagine Elijah sitting there by the brook, and he's looking at it, and it's getting smaller every day. And at first, I mean, it was nothing. He'd take a, I don't know if he had a, I, I, I know that he probably did not have a glass cup, okay? And I'm sure he did not have a plastic cup. I know that for sure. I don't know if he had a pottery cup. I don't know what they used or how they did it. But I imagine he'd go down to the stream and he'd fill that thing up. Man, it wouldn't even, I mean, he'd just dip it in and pull it out and that's full of water. And I imagine as time went on and that stream started to dwindle down and, and, and he and he dip it in anymore. He had to kind of dig out a little spot and set it there and wait for it to fill up. And, and perhaps it would take, you know, maybe a couple minutes or, or then time would stretch on and maybe it got down to a drip where Elijah would have to set it there for an hour to get water. I don't know. Just kind of imagining this. And Elijah's saying, all right, God, seems like my water is getting really low now. And God finally told Elijah, he said, I want you to go 
to uh, the widow, I've provided for you there. And you remember we talked about Elijah going to that widow woman, and, and that widow woman had nothing, absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, when he finds that widow woman, the Bible says she's out in her yard picking up sticks. And when, when he says, hey, I want you to make a cake for me, uh, she says to him, uh, listen, I'm out here gathering sticks so that I can cook, start a cooking fire, and I'm going to use the last of my oil and the last of my flour to make a cake for my son and I that we can eat it, and afterwards we're going going to die because we have nothing else. And Elijah says, do this. Make a little cake for me first. Oh, what a selfish, arrogant preacher. Now, that's what God told him to do. And God, God was placed in first place in that widow woman's wife. And that widow woman took and, and made for Elijah, uh, made that meal and that cake and baked it for him first. And the Bible says that every day she went back and, and listened that God provided for her needs every single day. The Bible says that they ate many days. I don't know how long it was that God sustained them, but I do know this, that God took care of them. And you can find over and over and over in the Bible that God takes care of His children. What I'm saying is this, sometimes we need to be content with just a little bit of cruise, a little bit of oil in a cruise and a little bit of flour. And you say, well, it's not much. But listen, God's providing day by day, every single day. He's taking care of you. And we need to learn to be content with such things as he provided for us. Look at what it says in verse 5 in Hebrews 13, 5. It says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Listen, God said he's always going to be with us. And he's not going to abandon us. He is going to take care of us. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. We know these verses. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. Matthew 6.30, the Bible says this. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 30, thinking about God and how He is going to provide for us and He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30, it says this. I was on the wrong page. 630. It says this. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You can mark it down. That is a promise in God's Word. If you're seeking after God, He is always going to take care of you. And He promised in Hebrews 13, 5, that He would never leave you and never forsake you. And listen, we ought to be seeking God, and God will provide for our needs and take care of us. Time and time again. And he said, that's a promise in God's word. 
You say, well, preacher, does that mean uh, that, that I don't have to go to work tomorrow? I don't know. What, God, what does God say? It says, hey, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's what God's word says. So I wouldn't say you don't have to go to work, but you ought to be seeking God in your life. You ought to be seeking to honor God in your job, seeking to honor God in every aspect of your life and build contentment by remaining content with the things that you do have and the provisions that God has given you in your life and the promise and the fact that God will always take care of you. Not only that, but also back in Hebrews 13, and verse 6, he says this. I love this verse. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Renew contentment, not only by rejecting covetousness, and not only by remaining content, but also by renewing confidence in God. Can I tell you this this morning? Satan is a liar. He is, the Bible says, he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And so uh, he is a liar and Satan does not want you to experience peace, joy, happiness, forgiveness, contentedness. He wants you to feel a defeated, anxious, and discontented life. That's what Satan really wants for you. And he'll use any means that he can get you uh, to, to feel discontented with where you're at, to feel anxious about what you don't have, to feel uh, uh, without peace uh, in your life because uh, of this situation or this, that situation. Uh, listen, I want you this morning just to take a deep breath. Breathe in. Hold it. Not too long. Don't pass out on me. Breathe out. Listen. Relax. God loves you. He cares about you. We get so caught up in everything that we don't have and what this world propagates that we should have or we should be doing or we should have in our life. Listen, I saw, I think it was when I was studying for this, I saw a picture and it was a monkey and he had a little thought bubble over his head. And he said, humans are the only people on earth that that go get a job and work so that they can pay for food. And he's sitting there chewing on his banana. You think about all the animals. You think about the birds. Let me just say this real quick. For all you bird lovers that are feeding the birds, wonderful. That's great. But you know what? If you don't, God will. The birds eat. The fish eat. All the of the entire earth eat. How do you think that happens? God. And if God could keep all of those animals taken care of, He can take care of you and I. We like to take that upon ourselves and we like to carry that burden. Listen, we can lay that burden down and say, God, I am trusting in you and I'm depending upon you. We can build contentment by renewing our confidence in God. Remember his presence. He said, I will never leave you. What a great relief to know that God is with us at all times. His presence assures victory. I've got several verses. We don't have time to go into them all. But listen, the fact that God is with us, 
we in, in Vacation Bible School, we had uh, uh, the story of David and Goliath, and, and, and you, you missed it, but there was a, a nine-foot-tall Goliath up here. You say, a real Goliath? It was a real Goliath. It was not a real person, but it was a Goliath. On the stage, it was tall. What if David had become discontent with his little sling and said, man, I'm going to battle. That's not big enough. That's not enough to take care of that giant. What if he had become discontent in his life and said, man, I know that sling is pretty strong, but man, five stones and a sling against this guy who's got armor and got, got a sword and got everything. What if he had become discontented in his life? But the fact of the matter is, he was content with God's presence and God's strength going forward, in our mind, inadequately against a giant who is ready for war. But God took care of it. What about jo Joshua? You go back in Joshua 1.9, it says this, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We serve a God who is able to take care of us, who is able to provide for our needs, who is always with us. He has promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We need to remember his presence. We need to remember his power. We need to be renewed in our confidence. Hey, that, that God is real. So oftentimes we live our life like God is, is not concerned about our life. He is concerned about your life. And he does want to watch out for you. But many times we're so independent. We're going to do things our way and we're going to do things on our own. Listen, renew your confidence in God. Trust in him. Allow Him to work in your life. Three things. Build contentment by rejecting covetousness. Build contentment by remaining content in your life. And build contentment by renewing confidence in God. He is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the contentment, God, that you require us to have in our life. God, I pray that you would just help us and strengthen us to be content. Help us to overcome covetousness in our life. God, help us to be confident in your presence and in your provision and in your power. And, and God, everything that you do for us, God, I pray that you would... Uh, help us to remain confident in you. Help us not to be discontented with your provision and with what you do. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart this morning. And God, if there's one that does not know you this morning, I pray, Father, that you would speak to their heart, show them their need for salvation. And God, help us to understand that true contentment can only come by putting our faith and trust in you as our own personal Savior. That's the only way we'll gain true contentment in this life. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray.
Amen. As the piano begins to play with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, contentment, discontentment, covetousness. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the only way to have true contentment in your life. By trusting in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. If you're not saved this morning, boy, I encourage you to get saved this morning. Come down front. We'll be more than happy to have someone take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, well, covetousness is kind of part of my life. You need help with it. God will help you. He'll strengthen you if you'll ask Him. Reject covetousness. Be confident in the Lord. Be content with what you have. God will take care of you is the song she's playing through every day. What a great song. We'll bring our invitation to a close.